open up your books, you bad apples. Yarbles to thee and thine. And welcome to the old potty casty wasty, the bad apple book club with your hosty wosties, Lucas Nord. <laughs> uh, and your brother, Cole Lang. Oh, my brothers. We're back again. Oh, my brothers. We are back. We're recording a bit of an episode two for A Clockwork Orange by Anthony Burgess. And that little flavor we started you off with there, that's just, uh, we're giving you a little flavor of if you actually read this book, you know, because of the NADSAT. The invented language of the author, might I add, too. I thought that was kind of interesting. He was a linguist. He had an obsession with languages, which was pretty interesting. Just And then he invented one, pretty much. Yeah, yeah. That's pretty cool, man. It's just like um, up there with Dothraki. Dothraki? First thing I thought of, too, actually, when you said that. And it is kind of interesting that the man was known for so much, but he was not very happy with making his mark with this book here that we're covering again today. Oh no. I don't I don't really blame the guy, you know. Well, if I put a piece of art out there and someone misinterpreted it like they did with this book, then I would probably feel pretty strongly about it too, but maybe that isn't the only reason. Like you were saying, he's quoted as saying himself that he's got much better books. And all that Cal. Yeah, I think probably it seemed to kind of have a negative impact on his life uh, mentally. Well, but I'm sure it helped him financially for sure. I would hope so, if anything else. Yeah. Or should I say, if nothing else? Uh, that works as well. we're both uh i mean i don't know about cole but i'm feeling a little different because i'm currently recording inside my new house that has been uh mentioned in a episode that came out a week or two ago yeah you didn't you didn't tell me that you're gonna use the podcast funds to buy the house man what the this you gotta run that through the podcast we oh right 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 i dipped into the coffer a little bit <laughs> yeah if you don't mind the the coffee <laughs> jar was just sitting on top of the uh on top of the fridge and i heard the pennies rattling around in there and i couldn't help myself so needless to say at least 14 dollars of my house payment has been taken care of due to the podcast hey hey man you're out here buying houses and i just bought um ghosts of tsushima so I don't I mean, know what out, that is. We're out here making big moves. It's a sounds it's like a, a restaurant. No, 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 no. It's not. It's not. Uh, oh. it, it, it's a video game, uh, open world video game, and you're in spooky an era of Japan that I, I'm not sure what time frame, but yeah, it's open world, and I've been hearing nothing but good things about it. So I'm very excited for it. Open world game in Japan on the PlayStation? Yes. I don't know if it's an exclusive, but yeah, it's supposed to be one of the best open world games in a while. So Cool. I'll look into it. it. Yeah. But now that we have our mandatory video game talk out of the way, (laughs) uh, was there anything that you wanted to talk about before we got down to... I'm always listening to the episodes and I realize that there are only so many ways you can say, get down to the nitty gritty 
but uh, <laughs> there are literally only so many ways. So I'm going to repeat myself. I'll probably repeat myself in more ways than just that one with the podcast here. But was there anything that you wanted to say? Did you want to shoehorn any political talk in before we got to it? <laughs> Actually, okay. okay. Oh, 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 no, 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 no. It's not. It's not political. Um, but oh, so I went to Frankfurt this weekend and. We were driving like those electric scooters around down by the river walk. And it was me and my friend were stopped. And there's like this group of six, six ladies. And I hope this story stays age appropriate. (laughs) Well, there is alcohol involved. So um, (laughs) I hope that isn't too much. So, yeah. And they're like handing out like uh, shots, like a dollar a shot. And they'll take a shot with the with the bride to be. And my friend is like, I don't have any money. Sorry, sorry, sorry. And she's like, oh, that's fine. We'll take a shot. And so she's like pouring him the shot. And he's like, so is it your birthday or something? (laughs) And this girl has like a bride to be. And like everyone's dressed up like a bridal, like a bachelorette <laughs> party. So yeah, he's just like, she's so got like a birthday? veil on. Yeah, <laughs> and then, uh, and then uh, the uh, the rest of the party was like, oh my god, did he really just say that? I just started walking. I was like, I'm gonna. He's not my friend. I swear, I swear. And they're like, oh gosh, that it's really funny. But yeah, that I like was to the think highlight. I like to think that I would have hung around just to feel the awkward tension in the air. That sounds like a perfect stew going right there. It was. Um, yeah, that's uh, the person might as well have been wearing a wedding dress and he would have said the same thing, you think, huh? How old's the birthday girl? Yeah, that's pretty good. Oh, man. I suppose, man. Uh I guess we should finally dive into this, huh? Or I, I, we should get a recap on part one. Oh, of course. Yeah, this whole episode is going to be a little off kilter and stuff just because I'm kind of getting set up here and all that. So for anyone listening at home, realizing that the episode sounds as different as it feels to record, you know, we're, we're getting there. Um, Now, did you have a few thoughts on part one of A Clockwork Orange that you wanted to throw out there? Just saw all the violence. The pretty straightforward. Yeah, it wasn't. Um, yeah, I mean, it was just acts of violence. Getting to really know who Alex and his gang is, what extent they will go to for their crimes. See, this is actually something I thought was kind of funny. Listening to the episode, I call. I think his name is Pete, the fourth member in their little drug gang. I call him Pete and Paul. Like, I switch between the two, but I'm pretty sure that it's... That's just how nondescript he is. He doesn't do anything. Pete, Paul, Anthony, John, man. All the same. And we wanted to throw out another quick disclaimer that uh, just like we were talking about the last episode, we got most of the... I mean, I won't say most of the violence out of the way in the beginning part, but if you were able to stomach that, then this shouldn't be... Too terribly awful for you, I hope. I also wanted to mention that, in case you didn't remember, how part one ended is Alex was arrested. He was brought in for uh, his crime. And then he figured out that he killed 
the lady that he assaulted earlier with all the, the cats, the crazy the cat, cat lady. lady. Yep, and that's how that one ends. And then he's like, and me only 15? 15 years old. Oh, too young, too young. Committing a murder, making scheduled times out of assaulting people and robbing them. Chapter 8 starts off with... Uh, after court hearings and other legal business, Alex is sentenced to 14 years in the Stadja, which uh, is what he calls like the state jail for slang and maybe what everyone calls it. I'm not really sure. At this yep. point in the book, he's assigned the prison number 6655321 and is strictly referred to by this number through, I mean, through the rest of his stint Time. here, yeah. which is even a real life thing that you'll see specific places. They take your identity away and just give you a number and don't even care to know your name in the first place. Cause hey, when it's... you're in their prison under their rule, it is all you are to them. is just another number on a piece of paper. It's all about dehumanizing. It's actually quite scary. We're brought two years into a sentence at the start of the chapter. And at this point, Alex has to stave off daily beatings and abuse from other inmates and guards alike. Uh, he's not having a good time at this point, and he is 17 years old. Yeah, he's got a. It, it's about the size of the fight in the dog, you know, not the. Not oh the right, size. yeah. He's always he's he's always fighting. Yes, he is. He reminisces on his days of being a hooligan, uh, and thinking back on all that kind of stuff is like his only escape from. The prison struggles is when he was still beating and raping indiscriminately, which once again, Alex is not a good dude. Uh, no. That kind of goes without saying, but even thinking that when he's in prison, the only thing that brings him any happiness is just thoughts of what he was doing that got him locked up in the first place, which might even say something about him now that I say it out loud like that. Yeah, um, and it just goes to show that it kind of sucks when the tables have turned like <laughs> yeah no i can't imagine he has any thoughts like oh wow so this is what it's like in other people's shoes to get the crap beat out of him and all that <laughs> i imagine that he just doesn't think twice about it i think he's very yeah. single-minded oh yeah later on he's informed of the death of his former droogie georgie boy george who died while committing a crime with the rest of the old gang. That was the name of my first rabbit, George, named after uh, the famous movie, George of the Jungle. You might have remembered that one. That was The one Brendan Fraser one? Yes, that was one of my favorites. And I named my first pet after uh, Perfect. The, his brilliant uh, performance in that movie. So, When was the last time you saw that movie, by the way? Probably when I was four years old. <laughs> oh, okay. Bummer. Yeah. yeah. Look out for that tree. Alex is obviously not very upset by hearing the news because George was one of the boys that kind of sold him down the river. And he was also one of the guys that was kind of stepping up to try to run the show before Alex was even locked up in the first place. Yeah, a little bit um, of a coup here. Yep. Alex is given the job of stereo boy in the prison church and is partially in the good graces of the Charlie running the place, which is his slang for like chaplain. Um, and he's in his good graces because Alex will occasionally 
spill the beans on what his uh, fellow inmates are getting up to. <laughs> so they're kind of using him as a bit of an informant, once again, just showing he doesn't have any loyalty, but I don't think that he'd be too interested in getting loyal with any of the people that he has gotten to know uh, well ever since being thrown into the stodja. Yeah, he's just kind of going around. He's like, hmm, that's a sin. His ankles are showing. That's yeah. a sin. Like, yeah. But he gets to uh, connect with his music again, so that's kind of cool. Uh, maybe exactly. he's channeling some uh, that youth group music, maybe a little bit of uh, Jesus Christ Superstar, Heal Yourself. Heal yeah. Yourself. I remember that. <laughs> Alex is given permission from the Charlie to listen to music while reading the Bible. And Alex finds great joy in listening to his favorite music while pouring over the sex and violence within Uh, the Bible, as uh, well as the crucifixion. He's just, once again, you know what? If nothing else, I'm going to say comfortably that Alex is resourceful. You know what I mean? Even locked up, he's still finding a way to have as good a time as he can i guess even though it's in literally the worst way possible yeah without hurting anyone even thinking about the bible and doing all that stuff that's very yeah i remember it's pretty weird yeah i remember in the book like he was like really into the bible just because the i mean at, at the times when jesus was being crucified like he he loved that and in the movie, it shows him whipping Jesus, and he's just like having the best time of his life. Which I gotta say, that's where I had to turn the movie off. Man, could not yeah. finish it after that. That is just too much. I actually just watched it last weekend too, so I'm sure that we'll be able to um, pick at our own brains about the differences after reading the book and watching the film, especially so close together. Oh yeah, after a Sunday sermon. Alex asks the chaplain about an experimental procedure he's overheard people talking about called Ludovico's technique, which prisoners are subjected to and in exchange are given much shorter sentences. And once again, that already sounds super fishy, but Alex <laughs> just hears that he can get his sentence shortened up. So he he's like, wants sign me up. <laughs> yep. Uh, the chaplain... Yeah is dismissive and disapproving upon being asked and Alex urges him to recommend himself for the program, but is told it will be discussed later. Afterwards, (laughs) Alex, uh, Alex's cell gains a new member, although the space is already too small for how many people are already in there. So they're already being cramped in there like wild animals, but everything about that sounds perfect to simple Alex Oh, you mean that I do something for a couple weeks and I'm completely done with prison? I don't see how that could go horribly <laughs> awful for me. Like, I think he's going to have Alex. a good time. I mean, Ludovico kind of sounds foreign. Maybe um, it'll be he something new some for him. Yeah. <laughs> Just like our good friend um, Ludwig. Ludwig Vaughn, oh my brothers. Yes, it even has the Lud in the beginning of that. So he, he's probably, he probably yeah, heard like the Lud in the beginning. He's like, oh, Ludwig's technique. Like, I'm sure he's all about it. Yeah. Uh, if he even put that much thought into it, because I don't think he puts any thought into anything. Yeah. Being that Alex is the smallest in his cell, the newest inmate tries to take his bed, but starts to sing a different tune as... Alex and his other cellmates 
just start beating the crap out of the guy. After going to sleep, Alex wakes up to find the new cellmate snuggled up to him on <laughs> his bed with him. <laughs> That's kind of nice, though, you know. Alex punches the man, and the other cellmates join in on a gang beating of their newest inhabitant. Um, I'm sure, like, when uh, this new guy snuggled up to Alex, he's probably just like, hey, what are you thinking about? And then Alex would probably just yeah. be like, uh, uh, violence and just, like, punch him in the face or something. A little a little pillow talk. Yeah. The noise brings guards who break up the brawl, but only temporarily as the new cellmate incites more of a beating with a remark. So he's... Uh, not going down without a fight. And he yep. actually probably isn't putting out much of a fight because there are five other dudes punching him. Getting caught up in his old ways well past a bloody beating of the man, Alex kicks him a few times just for good measure and goes to sleep. Um, I mean, I'm the same call. way, dude. I, I have to get that anger out, you know. Once bedtime yeah, comes know. around, whatever soothes my mind, whether it be kicking my bedpost or whatever, I need to do that it's like they say never go to bed angry and this is what they're talking about is when you have pent up rage you need to get it out by punching something just yeah. try not to let it be like a human being or like a puppy or something like that oh never a puppy upon waking up alex and his cellies discover they've killed the man Ooh. but in a classic fashion all the blame is placed directly on alex oh no uh, Alex is not having a good time. These two years suck. Yeah. After an hours long lockdown, three men approach the cell, being the governor, the head warden, and a man Alex doesn't recognize. And he continues to refer to the man after learning his title as the minister of interior or inferior. He's not <laughs> really sure which one it is, but... Uh, it might just be safe to assume that he's the minister of inferior. <laughs> yeah, with this government, it totally makes sense. I mean, that's kind of how they view these guys. So Interior inferior. In interior is just too formal. The well-dressed man grants Alex's wish when he informs him that he is to be patient number zero for Ludovico's technique. Alex is delighted and pays no mind to the governor who is not in support of the treatment. Huh. Alex signs his life away with the promise of a release after two weeks of the mysterious program and meets the chaplain one last time before leaving to find the old man very drunk. It's always a good sign right there. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know what? Yeah. The old man tells Alex he had no hand in procuring Alex's position for the program and tells him that the program will make the young troublemaker into a quote unquote good boy, which uh. Alex finds laughable. And why wouldn't he? Yeah, Alex and I both, man. It's gonna <laughs> it's gonna take more than two weeks to get Alex uh, spun up. He's just sitting there like, oh, so I'm just gonna vidy some cine, and I'm gonna be a changed boy. Mm, I think not. Uh, guess we'll have to see. Alex is escorted to a new hospital-like building. He and the rest of the prisoners have speculated about since its construction. Mm. Alex is overjoyed upon meeting a well-mannered doctor by the name of Branham and is given his own room, new clothes, magazines, and cancers to have after his meals. And that is NADSAT slang for cigarette. 
very appropriate, especially for 1962. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, actually. ahead of its time. Maybe, uh, maybe in the UK they didn't have the whole craze where uh, cigarettes are good for your health kind of thing didn't going you, on. Did you ever see that video from like the 50s or 60s? It was a guy on a news program, and he was a doctor, and he's like, "Well, yes, yeah, smoking cigarettes." while with child may render the child smaller but some women like small babies <laughs> hey, hey man you gotta think about the moms out there okay yeah a small baby is easier to bring with you places it's lighter you could toss it around like a little baseball <laughs> it's a baby light <laughs> yep. baby l-i-t-e Branham explains the program to alex telling him he'll be subjected to a series of special films and that alex will be given a dose of vitamins via a syringe after every meal Ooh, alex nice. is made dizzy after being given the first shot which attribute which he attributes to his suffering in prison and just his natural malnourishment from being in the stadia and is then wheeled into his first session. Uh, I don't know, Lucas. Sounds like these, uh, whatever they injected it with him with, uh, might might be the cause. Uh, that, but that's just my hot take. I don't want to get too bold here, but if I didn't know any better, I would think that they don't have Alex's best interests at heart. Yeah, and when the priest is breaking down on his like last encounter and crying, um, and he's drunk... That's not a good sign either. Yeah, Alex I, doesn't even think twice. He's just like, oh, he must be having a bit of a rough one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what, yeah. What's wrong? Yeah. Hey, don't worry, bro. We're good that you didn't help me get my position in the experiment. I got in anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it's like he's being accepted into college. He's like, yeah. <laughs> we should be praising the Lord right now. Come on, man. The next chapter starts off with the quote, where I was wheeled to brothers was like no cine I had ever vidied before, end quote. On one wall hangs a large screen, and on another is a sheet of frosted glass that Alex can see movement behind. Um, uh. What kind of movement is the question? I don't know. In the middle of the room sits a chair that you might see in a dentist's office. What does this mental imagery immediately conjure up for you, Cole? You're brought into a room... By a wheelchair, there is a one of those creepy dentist chairs in the middle of the room, a big screen, and you can tell that there are probably people observing you through that frosted pane of glass. Um, honestly, man, I'm feeling like good vibes only over here. I don't know about on your end, but I love the dentists, you know. It sound it sounds like the start to a horrific nightmare. Um, well, and what is it about the dentist that you enjoy so much? Clean teeth I, are nice. Clean, yeah, walking out with clean teeth is always nice, uh, especially because I have the staying retainer that's in, on the bottom of bo bottom teeth on my bottom teeth, and food always gets uh, stuck down there, and it's hard to get to. So sometimes they can clean it up really good. D yeah, other than that, they make my gums bleed sometimes, Ugh. but. Um, I feel like a good boy after that, man. Let me tell you. Does the retainer, is that the one that you can take out? No, it's a permanent one. And it just. What? Yeah. So it's like uh, braces, but on braces. the back. Yeah, it's pretty much. It, but it only goes on like five teeth and like the wire just snapped. So like 
now it catches on my tongue every once in a while and they were going to remove it but then coronavirus happened and i just haven't gone back to the dentist yet so you just got to get a pair of snips yeah yeah i'm not that bold though alex being weak from the shot is wheeled into the room and fastened to the lone chair okay fun part of the fastening process includes forehead clips that keep his eyes from closing and he says I've been brought here to Viddy Films, and Viddy <laughs> Films I shall. Uh, yeah, I mean, he can't say that he's not going to watch the films. His eyes are mechanically open. open. Yeah. yeah, so he... And the other the other interesting thing is, too, that he's just... He doesn't have a care in the world up to this point. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? He's like, he's like, I've been through two years of prison. You can't hit me with anything else. I was just up in the stadja. Yeah. We are then introduced to a short fat man named Dr. Brodsky, not to be confused with Dr. Bronham, who greeted Alex upon his initial entrance into the uh, facility. And Alex's treatment begins. Mm. On On the large screen is a movie of an old man being beat and stripped by teenagers while the teenagers are in the height of fashion, which is uh, a way Alex describes well-dressed people throughout the whole book they're in the height of fashion he kind of he kind of seems sees a resemblance in himself with these guys yeah i mean it's just uh i mean one of the first parts of the book was him and his boys beaten down on an unfortunate old man for no reason um alex enjoys watching the video unsurprisingly and notes how the color of the crimson blood on the screen seems much more realistic and vivid while being projected as compared to being there to see it in person. Hmm. He feels a bit queasy while watching the film, but chalks it up to his undernourishment mixed with his quote-unquote big quote-unquote vitamins given to him with the syringe. Once again... Uh... I don't know how many times we can say it, but no red flags. Yeah. Fine films. Fine films he's uh, been shown so far. Or a good introduction. Yes. The second film includes a young woman being raped by a gang of men, and Alex particularly notices how realistic this one seems. Not even compared to the previous one, but he just thinks that something kind of specifically stinks about this video feeling more nauseated as the film continues alex is then shown a video of a man's face being attacked with a razor and having his teeth pulled out with pliers very ouch very graphic stuff very horror show not horror show maybe horror show for alex but that (laughs) as awful as that term sounds He's just, oh, yeah. you know, like, like I got a horror show cup of chai right in front of me, me droogie. Oh, um, yeah. Lost in translation. Horror show yes. is like, oh, it's a good thing. In my index for the book, I believe horror show just means good. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> the, the next video involves a shopkeep being attacked by young men and being trapped inside her store while the building is set ablaze and uh the woman makes a noise like alex has never heard in his life she's probably creaching inside there which is another word that he uses quite often which just translates to screaming not even particularly screeching but huh 
Alex tells the doctors that he's going to sick, which is just a short form way of saying that he's going to vomit. He's going to sick, but he is reassured that all the feelings in his body and Gulliver are in his imagination. Yeah, so he's like, kind of. it kind of seems like he's hitting a tipping point where he's like, oh, I can handle this, but it's like... He's feeling woozier as the as they continue. Yeah, and another thing to note too is that he starts to think about how realistic these films are, and he it, he doesn't really he, he thinks it's like a government made film, yeah. and so he thinks that the government could be uh, doing these acts to these people. So at the same time, he's kind of like justifying himself, but while he's trying to hold back these feelings of queasiness and being sick and see he expects them to be like professional films or something like that like he thinks he's gonna go get to vidi the newest mission impossible (laughs) or something like that so i mean it's obviously very hard to say what you would think in the same situation but i mean hopefully neither of us is ever going to be put in this situation because that would be pretty lame Uh, it's every situation when the new fast and furious movies come out man you strap yourself to a chair and uh, with your glazies pried open like yeah that's the only <laughs> way you can make me watch those movies man the final film described as a world war ii era uh film of japanese soldiers elaborately torturing prisoners of war uh and at this point alex begs for them to stop rolling the films but he is only treated to an audible laughter from the back of the room and one of the doctors says we've only just started oh my brothers oh my brothers your humble narrator is in a bit of a a bit of a compy womp right now which um isn't a word in the book but i just came up with it and that's how that's how fun nadsat is There you go. There you go. (laughs) Being shown many more films afterwards, Alex decides that his new captors are worse than anyone he met when he was locked up in the Stadja. For those two years, he's been fighting off beatings and sexual assault. But after this session of watching films, he decides that these men are worse than any he ever encountered before. Which really yeah. does say something. Really says something about the this government program that's going on. Yeah. That this terrible human being is like, this sucks. <laughs> yeah. And as we've discussed before, it's kind of hard to figure out what this government is all about. But they don't seem to have its citizens' best plans in mind. Even, I mean, not even comparing Alex to it. We've seen more mundane people like his parents. And we learned that... They're required to have a job in their society and all that kind of stuff. Just go through the motions and you'll be fine in this society. Brodsky seems pleased with Alex's progress for the day and sends him back to his room, though he feels very ill. A time later, Branham visits Alex and knows that he's feeling a bit better since the end of the film session. Alex notes that uh, how someone feels has nothing to do with calculation, so he's kind of wondering... Yeah. How did he know? I mean, I'm sure he didn't pay it that much thought, though. He doesn't seem to be much of a big thinker, if I may say. Yeah. Yeah, he's like, he's, you, you don't know me. He's then informed that from here on out for the next two weeks, Alex will be having 
two sessions a day being in the morning and afternoon of the same exact thing that he was just put through. Oh, and he isn't very happy about it. Yeah. Oh, my brothers. A morning cine and an evening cine. Oh, that's too much to vidi. Yeah, he's certainly in a bit of a in a bit of a bind here. Our humble narrator, I mean. Yes. Alex is told that his body's reaction to the film shown is how someone should naturally react to such subject matter, and the doctor sees obvious progress in Alex's case. A discharge officer enters the room and asks Alex what his plans are when the two weeks of treatment are finished, and Alex obviously plays (laughs) innocent while he's truly making plans to get out and get back at two of his three droogs that kind of... Are still alive. Sold them to the sharks. Yeah, fed them to the wolves. And yeah. if we will remember, Georgie Boy, the guy who was kind of trying to play second fiddle earlier, was murdered uh, while committing a crime with Georgie. I think I think um, his name was Will the English, who they mentioned earlier. And that actually was kind of the unraveling of the gang's whole thing because them bringing that up made Alex beat the crap out of all of them, and they didn't like Alex very much after that, if you'd believe it. Before the officer leaves, he asks if Alex would like to punch him in the face. Alex, never one to pass up on a good opportunity, swings, but the man dodges, and Alex feels violently ill, just like he did when he was watching the movies earlier. Yeah, he, like, grabs his stomach, and he's like, oh, oh, oh. In the movie, in the movie, he's kind of like that. I imagine it would probably be a similar thing, just falling to the floor in intense pain. Alex has a violent dream and in the climax wakes up feeling as though he's going to sick, only to find the windows and doors barred. The nausea subsides and he is left horrified at the thought of going through the whole ordeal again the next day and even fears going back to sleep. Oh, my brothers. Oh, Uh, my brothers. Your humble narrator is worse for wear right now. And unfortunately, I don't know about you, Cole, but I don't think it's going to get any better. I mean, yeah, no, Alex's torture continues the next day through being shown a less violent video than any shown the previous day. But they have the same exact effect on him, making his whole body hurt and making him want to yarf so every time like he starts feeling sick i I keep on like imagining alex having a having the same reaction as the grape stomping lady that falls into the i I can't breathe i can't breathe if you are Uh, listening to this right now and you haven't watched grape stomping lady on youtube it's like 30 (laughs) seconds and it's going to change your life for the better (laughs) and it'll make much more sense in this please seek it out yes while many of the films are silent the one shown afterwards is scored to beethoven's fifth symphony oh my personal favorite alex being a fan of ludwig vaughn has a specifically horrific reaction to it. The fiendish doctors take note of said reaction, this also being the only time Alex actually puked during a film uh, when it actually has music behind it. And Brodsky claims to only know music for its ability to heighten emotion, but that obviously wasn't part of the plan because who could have seen that coming? 
Yeah, but, it'd be like if, if we were going through the same treatment and they started blasting Kanye, late like registration, Kanye. and then yeah, exactly. Like it's oh. your favorite artist, and then it's like, oh gosh, like you're associating wow. Kanye with like all these things, and it's like, and well, you even you even managed to name drop my favorite Kanye album. It is. It's a good one. Yeah, top three, top three for me. Later on, after the session, Alex is made privy to the fact that the injections he's been given are causing the sickness, and they haven't actually been vitamins. Wow. I would not have seen that coming from a million miles away. (laughs) A term they use for the process he's being put through being given the injections and watching the films, they call associative learning. Um, Which I suppose, yeah, they make his whole body feel sick and then they show him violence. And maybe if someone was like afraid of something similar, they would do the same thing to him or are they only doing this to criminals in this universe? Do you think? I think, well, this is like the experimental citizen. Yeah. It's just just an experimental course, but the foundation, I I think it's to put it into like terms of like, Oh, we got to clean up crime. We got to clean up the streets, like uh, war on crime kind of thing. And like, this is their answer for it. And in some of their opinions, they think it's the best solution. Yeah. But as we've seen, people have already been very split on this whole procedure from the prison, Charlie and um, the governor too. He wasn't even particularly a fan of the idea. Yeah, and yeah, we'll get into it some more here. Alex tells the doctors that he's learned his lesson and that he is to give up the wrongdoing life and he now understands the impact of violence. The doctor treats him to more laughter and gives him a pat on the back, kind of saying something like, you know, (laughs) it was worth the shot. Yeah, nice try, sweetheart. Yep. Alex loses track of the days and has a few minor failing attempts to get out of his quote-unquote treatment, including the thought of knocking himself unconscious by banging his head on the wall before one of his um, shows, but only gets sick thinking of doing something, even to himself like that. Just, I suppose, any thought of violence, even, I don't know that it was explicitly written out, but I suppose even thinking of squashing a bug would maybe throw his body into these pangs of horror and terror and anxiety and dread. Yeah. Anything that inflicts pain or suffering, e- even if it's like really minor is, seems to trigger him to the it's point crazy. where he can barely like operate. Yeah. Days later, Alex is invited to walk to the screening room as compared to being wheelchaired, which would Progress. obviously stand out. Yep. <laughs> this session of treatment involves none of the wiring previously attached to his forehead and face. And when Alex still feels sick watching the movies, he's brought to tears with the idea that he actually cannot tolerate violence anymore. They took away his favorite thing. He does not make it easy for you to sympathize with him. <laughs> yeah, it's like, uh, you know, maybe he would have a revelation here, but it's like... Nope, he misses misses all he, the things he yeah. did with his gang, and yeah, he, he's and more I, upset with like the way he's turning out to be. And if I may say too, um, it's really funny 
because one of his little nad slash slang whatevers you might call them is whenever anyone cries in the book he says that they just went boo hoo hoo and he even says when he's crying i went boo hoo hoo (laughs) he's like yeah kind of admitting to it well yeah and he's not even like he's not even being like um rude or malevolent about it when someone cries they just go boo hoo hoo and that's all there is to it i guess <laughs> something a toddler would do <laughs> an assistant dabs the tears away from his eyes so as to not obstruct alex's viewing Aww. he continues to cry as the films roll and he says it was a terrible and horrible day oh my brothers and only friends that being us so yeah. Alex is talking straight to us. As we've said a few times, he's said, oh, my brothers throughout the whole book. And he refers to himself as your humble narrator and all yeah. that kind of stuff. Later that night, Alex again attempts to escape by knocking out an orderly, but cannot bring his fist down once it's raised in the air. And he proceeds to seize up. The orderly punches Alex and leaves him lying on the floor in pain. And an orderly that is uh, what exactly? It's like one of those people that walks around a hospital in all white. Oh, okay. Okay. Kind of like a caretaker. Kind of like a caretaker. Maybe you'd find orderlies in more more like specific facilities for people that need a little more kind help. of Kind of like in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. The people who absolutely who look over the um, the patients. It's kind of funny you mentioned that because I'm actually right in the middle of that book right now. That's so weird. Oh, a little oh, weird. Me too. Huh? Alex's <laughs> Alex's quote after being left on the floor in pain is and what brothers I had to escape into sleep from then was the horrible and wrong feeling that it was better to get hit than give it. If that Vex stayed in, I might even have, like, presented the other cheek. Once oh, again, this wow. is actually kind of an interesting callback. He'd rather get hit than do the hitting. And that immediately makes me think of the earlier point in the book when Dim is fascinated with the stars. And Alex says that out there, there are people knifed and people doing the knifing. Huh. That's a good kind of an interesting. Yeah, kind of an interesting parallel now that I think about it. Alex's time draws to a close as he's given back his street clothes and his old Britva being the razor. It's kind of an interesting thing, too, that they gave him his razor back. And I would assume that they probably see it as a bit of a power move because it's like giving Uh, someone a million dollars in a briefcase and like locking it up. There's absolutely nothing you could do with it but just kind of sit there and look at it you know what i mean yeah it's like if the government came in here and stole all my, all my podcasting equipment and uh brainwashed me to hate podcasts and then, <laughs> uh, they uh once my treatment is over and i just hate podcasts with the passion that's when they give me my equip my equipment back that's a real horror show thought there uh Yes. The screening room has changed since Alex's final session, including a curtain covering the screen. Branham, Brodsky, and the Minister of Interior or Inferior. It's kind of hard to nail that one down. <laughs> Can't remember. The Chief Warden, the Stodja Governor, and the Cap- er, and the Prison Chaplain are all in attendance for the show. 
Brodsky urges the panel to witness the actions of newly made model citizen Alex. A large spotlight is shown down atop the ne'er-do-well, and he is left feeling very confused. Obviously, he's brought into <laughs> this room. There is people... I mean, I'm sure the second he walks in, he's got, you know, 30 eyes set on him. Yeah. And then every move he makes, they're probably just moving their head. He's probably uh, right thinking, him. yeah, he's probably thinking like he's going to be the biggest star of the newest cine. Yeah. yeah, I I think his sessions actually may have left him a little like jaded or something like that. Unless he might just be as excited for this as he was going into the first session of films. Oh, now that I'm done with that, now I get to put on my own little play. Yeah. <laughs> a man approaches and antagonizes Alex, who reaches for the Britva, but is overtaken by the sickness. Alex's immediate reaction to the sickness is try uh, is to try to please the man, as opposed to hurting him, offering the razor over to him. The man knocks it from Alex's hands, and Alex begins to lick the man's boots, only for him to kick Alex. Ouch. Alex then clings to the man's legs, who proceeds to then fall over. <laughs> Once again, there's not a lot of overt humor in this, but that's kind of a funny mental image. Yeah. Once again, it also makes me think of a child, like not getting what they want. So they wrap their arms around. Uh, yeah. The parents just give legs me the razor. Like <laughs> yeah. Uh, just attack me with the Brit. I'd rather be the one getting knifed right now. Yeah. The audience laughs, and hey, that's even us. But Alex offers the man a hand to get him back to his feet. Brodsky sends the man, who we then learn as an actor, away because he does like a bit of a bow on the way out of the room. Yep, he's very proud of his performance for the government. A debate ensues between the chaplain and the doctors, the former arguing that the treatment has eliminated the moral choice for Alex, and he kind of says that even though he obviously wasn't doing anything good, to take away his choice to do what he wants is still somewhat evil. I'm sure that we'll get all into that debate later. Yeah, we're diving into the main theme, but yeah, it'll yes. be explored further here. We'll be... We'll be discussing that more, but that's really the thing that we're probably going to be coming back to and that I personally have to do some research on just to even wrap my head around it because the idea of it is so crazy. Yeah. The latter notes the treatment's usefulness and efficacy. They see nothing wrong with the thought of just completely taking it out of Alex. I mean, yeah. you know, it's one thing. To maybe give someone therapy. I'm not saying that would work on Alex. I'm also not saying that it wouldn't. But they're saying he licked the man's boots instead of attacking him. So he's just perfect for street life again. Well, perfect for the government. I mean, oh, if that's not course. a metaphor for uh, being a nice. boot licker for the government. I mean, one side is like, nice. we want a society of boot lickers. And then wow. the other half is like, now, wait a second. Like, you're taking away any type of choice here. Like, that's pretty messed up. The other more ethical side is saying we need to give them the choice to lick boots. They, or the choice to... <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> probably. Probably. Yeah. In a fit of confusion, 
Alex asks aloud if he is just to be a clockwork orange, which once again, name of the book. And I've personally looked up the definition for it. And I'm not sure if you looked into this. But oh, yeah. Yeah. Anthony Burgess said that it was a phrase where he came from. But apparently some people think that he actually coined the phrase himself. Oh. And I still don't understand what it means after reading he- I, the I believe for it. he heard it in a bar and somebody said that, well, if, if we're going through like this origin, he heard it in a bar and somebody said that man is as queer as a clockwork orange queer as in like not, yeah. not the off. Yeah. Just a little weird, but yeah, clockwork orange and my, I'm going to put, I'm going to put out my interpretation of it. So it's, fusing something mechanical like a clock where it's just on this preset mechanical thing which would be alex and his inability yeah and his inability to make these choices but the orange is the organic part so it's basically saying that alex is a mechanical human almost where yeah he's a human but you've completely taken away his choice and then that makes him a clockwork orange. He is a human that they personally hardwired themselves. Wow. Yeah. That is a very interesting way to put it. Yeah. Um, after asking the room aloud, Alex is scolded by an unfamiliar man. <laughs> he's the next like, hey, argument, you shut up! Like, yeah, he's like, keep it down, down there. We're trying to, we're trying to argue up here. <laughs> yeah, we're trying to observe you, you clockwork orange. <laughs> the next argument among the men erupts. The topic this time involving Alex's ability to love oh, and no. <laughs> Alex. I mean, Dr. Brodsky uses the argument to his advantage when an attractive young lady enters the room. Alex's instinct is to assault the woman, but when he starts to obviously feel the sickness take hold, he immediately bows and says he would do anything for her, all nightly-like, to escape the pain. The woman bows and exits the room, and Alex is then declared to be a true Christian by Brodsky and a fit member of society. And that is where part two leaves off. Huh. Yeah. One, one interesting thing that I'm sure once again, we'll discuss when we have everything wrapped up here is that each three parts of this book all have something so different happening with them. Yeah. Yeah. This is we- um, mostly dealing with the experiments Yeah, and we'll obviously discuss the whole thing more when we get to part three, but the first part is seeing what Alex does that lands him in the second part, and then we'll see where the second part gets him to. There's nowhere to go but up, right? Uh, I I, I don't know. The books we're reading, sure. Yeah, why not? Yep, 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 yep. yep. Yeah, Um, that that ends part two, huh? Absolutely. and. Probably my favorite part of the book, too. This is a really nice, quick read. Yeah. Like I said, the parts all being so vivid and switched up makes for very good reading because, you know, you read a a bigger book and you're like, oh, I want to find the one specific part I'm thinking of here. But you're thumbing through the whole thing because you don't know where it is. But if I wanted to 
find a specific quote in this book. I'm sure I could just pick it up. Yep. Part two has the prison in it. And, you know, just like it was nothing. Little over 100 pages. Uh, mine was, I believe. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. It is much shorter than I thought. My copy ends on page 182. And I think that's even with the afterword. Oh, okay. And, and I mean, did you have anything? Um, did you have anything else to add before we um, end our most difficult episode yet? Physically? <laughs> oh, my gosh, you guys. Um Oh, my brothers. Oh, my brothers. This is actually our fourth (laughs) attempt. Fourth attempt. (laughs) So, yeah, we had multiple um, technical issues and environmental issues. Environmental. Uh, Yeah, like as in noise. So, but, oh, my God, like we did it. I knew we could. Um, But, yeah. And it turned out great. Yeah, my editing skills, you guys won't even be able to notice it. Hopefully not. Um, um, but any lingering thoughts? Uh, I would say, I mean, this is where we 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 had the appetizer in part one, right? And it's just kind of like, ooh, this... Uh, these chicken wings are cold, man. Like this is kind of this, this is kind of like an evil story. Like oh yes. Uh, but now we're finally into um, the main course, and the main course is really diving into the ideas of like taking away human choices, no matter how bad they are and really exploring that I and mean, the more you think about it it seems like a simple concept to kind of be like yeah the government can just take away your ability to make bad choices well if you're to completely eliminate that it would be really hard and you'd have to do a process similar to what they're doing to alex i mean this reminds me a lot of a lobotomy where you yes. just make a person a nobody like they used to have a personality and everything but it was so easy for people back in the day to just be like oh lobotomy give them a lobotomy and so they can be a functioning member of society and that's exactly what this government wants and no matter how Im- immoral that is yes they are willing to do it obviously part of the book is just how perfect of a candidate alex is for this experiment because the first whatever 70 or 80 pages are just him committing heinous acts of violence and all that stuff. And we're obviously put in a funny situation where I would never wish this sort of a technique upon anyone. But I guess part of the point might be that we look at Alex and think, well, they could have done worse picking someone, you know? Yeah. Not that I agree with, like I said, not that I agree with what they're doing to our dear narrator yeah and oh, my even, even for how awful alex is like you you just kind of have to be like dang a uh, government doing this to their own people i mean that that that's a scary thought for a lot of people i mean even even with alex being the most evil character that maybe i don't know it's a toss-up between alex and uh the joker from uh game of thrones the joker (laughs) oh Uh, yeah no i mean they they do quite similar things but we could i mean we could get into a whole debate on ramsey snow yeah 
yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, but how about how about you? What are some lingering thoughts that you have, or any hot takes you have? Like I was to? saying, this is probably the most interesting part of the book for me. I think that the idea of the treatment Alex is put through for two weeks straight, having hour-long sessions of watching these films and only to top it off with him getting sick because of the shots they give him just think of like a normal person being put in this situation is one of the most horrific things i've ever just witnessed in media yeah um once again though i don't like alex but i think that the way he's written makes him very interesting and his like upbeat tone through the first half of the book really paints a strange picture of him too because like we said he's brought to this government building and told he's getting out in two weeks and there is not one point when he thinks is there something fishy going on here (laughs) and in the book they also (laughs) describe the hospital as being like this giant white ominous building yep and uh, he's like no one knows he's like "Ah, take me in like uh put me in this dang wheelchair let's get this two weeks uh over with yeah Uh, no he's like the first time they bring him in, he's dang near strapping himself down to the chair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, you, oh, you wanted to do the belts. Oh, I, I already had him uh, strapped down. Oh. But yeah, there's just a lot of uh, food, food for thought here. and Lots uh, to unpack. This is a great book. Yeah, like you're saying, like some parts are funny. It's written as a dark comedy. But I mean, when you get down to it, to the down really into these main themes it it gets pretty deep very fast and for like our casual readers out there like if you guys want to start on a book that we're covering crime and punishment i get it like you don't want to start on that and like follow along that is heavy but this thing easy read it's it's funny uh less than 200 pages yeah so and you're you can literally if you pay enough attention to it and are interested enough you can walk away with a whole new dictionary of slang words yeah Um, you can pick up on a bit of russian speaking of which too cool if you don't mind i actually have the dictionary for my copy opened right here and i would like to give you a sentence with one of these words in it and i would like you to try to tell me what the word means Okay, okay. Our narrator, Alex, is a real horror show press tupnik. Oh, uh, a real awesome uh, person? Nope. Press tupnik. Criminal. Ah, uh, dang it. And I don't actually think he's horror show, but I just love saying that word, too. It's pretty fun. It's up there with ultraviolence. Ultra violence. Now, like we said, this has been our most tumultuous recording session to date. But um, in the end here, I think we ended up with something really good. Yeah. Yeah. And thank you guys so much for listening and keeping up. This is our second series and I'm I'm loving it so far. And I hope you guys are too. Follow us on Instagram at the Bad Apple Book Club. Uh, Send us a message maybe. Leave us ratings on iTunes, and I don't know if you can on Spotify, but it really would be appreciated if you could, because Cole over here is putting in a lot of work, and I would like for him to get some shine off that work. Hey, you and me both, man. Alrighty, well, if you're good there, then I'm good here, pal. 
Yes, sir. Um, thank you, our humble narrator. Yes. Uh, <laughs> signing off with a bit of a yarbles to thee and thine. Ooh, I'm not that creative right now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thanks okay, for hey. listening, Droogies. Have a good yep, night. There you go. Goodbye.